Hello, I'm James Peake and I produce the Local Trust podcast. The episode you're about to hear was recorded at a jam-packed evening at the Gulbenkian Foundation in London for the launch of the Community Wealth Fund, a new grouping with a radical proposal to unlock billions of pounds and use it to help some of the poorest communities in England improve their futures. The first person I bumped into at the event was Dan Gregory, who wrote the report making the case for the fund. So it was great to speak to him. Here we go then, from East London. Dan, how are you? Hi, good, thank you. Yeah, very good. Can you tell us why we're here? So this is all about the idea of a community wealth fund. So there's a bunch of organisations and people that have come together around an idea that they all want to share with a wider group of people and, and try and convince politicians, people on the streets, community groups, that we've got an idea that can make a difference to people's lives in future. And we know that if that is going to convince then we need to have a wide coalition and alliance of people saying, yeah, this is a good idea, let's get behind this. So the Community Wealth Fund is what we're calling this idea for a fund or funds that will be quite a large amount of money to go into areas that haven't really benefited over the last 10, 20, 30 years um, in the way that some areas of our country have really been very prosperous. And it's the idea that some of the money and investment needs to go into kind of what we could call social infrastructure. So these might be community buildings, community assets, clubs, associations. And by supporting these crucial buildings, places, centres at the heart of communities, this can help give these areas a chance to help themselves, to develop services, businesses that can improve their economic and social livelihoods in future. That sounds like a tough gig to get government to listen. How are you going to go about it? So there's a bunch of dormant assets, sort of stocks and shares and pension funds that haven't been claimed for a long time. And in the past, governments legislated to free up bank accounts that people have forgotten about and use that money for good causes. And this is about other types of money that have been left behind, have been forgotten about. And it might be that a future Prime Minister decides to spend that on anything, you know, from Northern Ireland border solutions to airports in the Thames or whatever it is that they come up with. We think that money could help make a community welfare happen. And so actually, I'm really pleased that a bunch of organisations have come together and said, there's an idea here, kind of ready to go to channel it into the areas that need it the most. Dan, thank you. I'm going to um, bimble around, meet some people. Great, thank you. Enjoy the bimbling, yes. <laughs> Cheers. Matt, good turnout, isn't it? All right, James. Uh, good to see you this 2019. It's going to be even more exciting than last year, I think. Well, that's going to take some beating. It looks like lots of organisations are clubbing together to create a sort of lobbying block, is that right? Well, we've now got over 100 major organisations from across the civil society sector who've already signed up to the document that's, that's being launched today and we're, we're hoping off the back of this to find new ambassadors but also to make a step out to start to make it a bit more of a mass movement across the social sector. We need to be able to give people the tools to start to define how they want to live and how they want their communities to be. That requires a large amount of cash. It also requires a framework within which that money could be invested on a patient basis. It's very much looking forward to seeing where it where it goes over the coming year. It's, it's definitely needed. You're about to do a speech, aren't you? I, I am. I'm, I'm going to do a brief intro. I've been given about three or four minutes, and, and then Stuart, who's the chief exec of um, NCVO, that's the voluntary sector umbrella, is going to say a few words as well. Good luck with that. Cheers. Uh, welcome. My name's Andrew Barnett. I'm director of the Political Banking Foundation. The alliance that has come together typifies the work that we do and the approach that we have to it. I'm really pleased that we were able to support Stuart during his sabbatical when you wrote the paper published by CAS that there might be more money in dormant accounts and other places. I'm going to hand over to Matt Leach to tell us 
a little bit more about the idea. Thank you, Andrew. This is quite a special event. We were really excited over the summer to, to get support from a really fantastic group of organisations, the City Bridges Trust from the Corporation London, Lloyds Bank Foundation, Church Urban Fund, which Andrew chairs, uh, Barrow Cadbury, Paul Hamlin, and, and also uh, the NCVO, all of whom came together to see whether it was possible to start to identify a way forward, which addresses an issue that for us at Local Trust we see all the time, because we go out and we work with some of the, the poorest and some of the more left behind communities. And what we see in those communities is an incredible richness of potential. People who really want to make a difference, people who are committed to trying to change what's there. But we also see them sometimes hampered by a lack of the tools to make a difference. We see the community centre that once existed shut down. I'm Mark, who's come from Bristol. When you go to Lawrence Western, they're lucky they've got a community centre, but only because the local authority gave them the key code and said, go on, guys, we're not going to look after it anymore. <laughs> you know, you use it whilst it's still in good state. Or Ralph um, from Sale West, where their community centre probably only has three years lifespan left in it. It's full 24-7 with amazing activities, but it's going to close down in the next two or three years because when the central heating next goes wrong, there won't be the parts to fix it. And he's been working now for five years to try to bring together the money to put a new, a new community centre in place. And we also know from big local areas that when you go to areas where all of that stuff has disappeared, you can't just flip a switch and it comes back. It can take five years, seven years, 10 years, 15 years to get people re-engaged. We need to think about how we can invest in those places that don't have social infrastructure so that they can start to make a difference for themselves. It's a long route. I, I think some of what's proposed in this paper may take five or six years to get there. But the fact that so many people have come together in the room now is a brilliant way to start. We want to run with that. We want to see some of the ideas here reflected in, in the new Shared Prosperity Fund if it comes post-Brexit. But most importantly, we want to get that issue of soft and hard social infrastructure, the, the need to fund that right to the top of, of the political agenda. And this is a first step towards getting there. I'll stop now, Stuart. Um, Back. Thanks very much indeed. As Andrew said, I, I wrote a pamphlet a couple of years ago now. One of the central themes of the pamphlet was how citizens and communities could be empowered in an increasingly dislocated society. And since I wrote the pamphlet, uh, all that's happened is that society has become more dislocated. In a sense, we portray our governing parliament and our government as inadequate in relation to these. But we shouldn't forget that they're reflecting deep, deep divisions in our society. Why is this important? It's because it's about the empowerment of citizens. I believe that in the end, citizens working together can come up with solutions to very problematic uh, situations. At the end of the day, the contract culture which dominated uh, probably the last 10 to 15 years, ultimately left us in a set of transactional relationships. The state dictates not only what the voluntary sector will do, but more importantly, how it will do it. Uh, that applies to the work programme, it applies to criminal justice, it applies to a whole range of things. And the net result of that is that citizens are disempowered. And to a certain extent, the voluntary sector has allowed itself to be disempowered in these relationships. And the key issue for me is sustainability of communities. And the key issue there is endowments. Grants are great, but they don't last forever. And, and you need to create some form of sustainability in communities. And my vision 
position was that there would be sustainable community foundations or some way of endowing communities. I'm not prescribing the particular way. Empower the most impoverished communities, but would also provide a national network where programs could be done in a very, very different way. Communities have the ability to bring people together. I think our political system uh, is demonstrating that it's just replicating the, the divisions that exist between us. So I think when all this is done, we need to develop a new vision and new policies for the way in which we want civil society to flourish. Just one thing before closing, how are we going to take this forward? Seems to me that this is a great start. There's a lot of interest in this area. The next step, it seems to me, given the, the mechanisms that are being suggested in this pamphlet, are to engage with the business community and see what they can do alongside civil society to build it. My experience over 25 years of dealing with the government uh, is that it never quite works out the way that you think it will. I'm quite happy for them to hand over unclaimed assets because it's not their bloody money in the first place. If you get political traction uh, and business interest alongside civil society interest, I think this could be unstoppable. And I think, Matt, you started so well here and I wish you all the best and all the support that we can give you in this endeavour. <laughs>
we want as many organisations, whether they're in the third sector or not, to understand why the Community Wealth Fund is so important and to support us in what we're doing. James, I just want to introduce you to Tony from Locality. So Locality, the organisation that represents community anchor organisations, but I'll leave you to talk some more. Hello, Tony. Hello. What brings you here? Uh, well, we're um, really big supporters of the Community Wealth Fund approach. Um, at Locality, we support community organisations to be strong and successful. And a big part of that is trying to get them to be stronger through having uh, community assets. So owning land and buildings. The ones that own their own land and buildings are able to be more independent. They're able to weather financial difficulties much more. So there are already loads and loads of examples of where community-owned schemes have been really successful. And we know we can make the case that where you can get a good blend of funding and finance, that can really make a massive impact in the range of things that community and local organisations can do. So we want to see um, lots of new capital being unlocked uh, and distributed so that then organisations can make the most of it and then they can build a more sustainable future. Thank you, Tony. No problem. Thank you very much. You just heard Stuart Etherington of the uh, NCVO's speech. There he is. I'm going to see if I can grab him. Can you tell me, why do you think this Community Wealth Fund is so important? I think this is the beginning of something. We've got to find ways of empowering communities uh, because I think they've got many of the solutions. You know, I'm not anti-state, but I think that civil society organised well funded independently, endowed so that they have assets that can keep them going, uh, has a great potential for the future. I, I don't think we want the government too involved in the sense of driving yet another program, but I think we need them to hand over the assets that they themselves don't really own, these unclaimed assets. The estimates vary, but generally the figure of two billion is what's hit upon. Now that could make a really significant difference. And in my view, it's not the government's money. These are assets that are held by financial institutions. Now, the first tranche of money was released to social investment, and I think that was important. But I think the next tranche of money, when it's available, should be released to empower and endow local communities. That would seem to me to be a major step forward. So, yes, it's radical, um, but uh, the money, I think, will be there um, and I don't think it should be just shoved into programmes because they sort of run out. Uh, I think we need to endow communities so they can make decisions. Thank you very much, Sister. Pleasure. pleasure. Jess, hello. How are you? Hiya. How are you, James? I'm very well. If people are supporting this call to action, how should they get in touch? So the simple thing they can do is add their name or their organisation's name to the growing number of organisations that are supporting the way that they do so is by searching on Google for Community Wealth Fund and they can add their name and sign up to join the Alliance and also they can read exactly what it's about before they add their name. Cool, okay, thank you. Who's your friend? Uh, this is Daddy Rice Opo from a really fantastic area and community outside Birmingham called Welsh House Farm. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Do you think that this uh, the Community Wealth Fund is a good idea? Definitely, definitely. I think that's something that will change the social fabric of the UK. If this thing goes on, I'm telling you, you know, we want to sit on the table rather than being part of the menu. The point about the Community Wealth Fund is to really change the way we value 
the kind of work which Dada Ray is doing and which her, her fellow residents and community are doing in their area and to, to, to recognise that that is the key ingredient and if you don't have that you're not going to get economic regeneration in places which have suffered from for decades. Thank you Dada Ray. thank you Jess. Thank you. It's David, isn't it, from Thank The you, Guardian? David Brindle, yeah. What did you think of Sir Stuart's remarks on the chances of this catching fire? Sir Stuart, ever the optimist, um, but I think he's onto something. I think we're onto something here tonight. I think everybody's talking from a uh, perspective of a common cause and common motivation. And I think we all know where we want to get to. It's getting from here to there, which, of course, is the challenge. But I think Stuart's right to feel uh, sanguine about that. I think people of goodwill uh, from all kinds of different quarters are coming to the same kind of conclusion. We're a lot nearer now than we were six months ago. Right. Uh, yeah, hello, Mark. I'm James. What's your game? Regeneration of a, a very heavily deprived area in North Bristol which is known as Lawrence Weston. Lovely to meet you. Uh, what do you think about the community welfare proposals then? I think it's long overdue, to be honest, to have um, a chance of providing sustainable long-term funding for areas of eye deprivation like ours that have missed out in the past. Uh, exactly what what is needed, really, is to put the power back in the hands of communities and letting them sort their own problems with their own resources and finance. The problem at the moment is we can only seem to access project funding which is great, but then you've got no infrastructure there or resources to deliver that project. So we've gone out and we've consulted all the residents um, to find out what the issues are that they're facing, um, trying to find out if they've got any solutions to solve those issues. We've put all that information um, and consultations and surveys into a, a development plan, and then it's from that plan that we deliver the work. So it really is grassroots coming from the residents upwards instead of downwards. You don't just want it for a year or two, you want this long term? It needs to be long term, yeah, exactly. But this is a fantastic opportunity here, not just for communities like ours, but for the government themselves as well, to see that, that sustainability and all those issues that areas like ours are faced with, like high unemployment, the food banks, let's get rid of them, we shouldn't be having food banks in this, in this day and age. You know, in Lawrence Weston, we're delivering our own houses now, affordable houses, to show these big developers that it can be done. We're uh, involved in renewable energy because um, we can see that there's um, economic gains to be had there as well as environmental gains. Um, so we're involved in a lot of things. We just need those resources to carry that work on. It's not a one, two, three year project. It's, you know, a lifetime, really. <laughs> All right, I'll see you Thank later. You. Nice one. Hello, sorry, I missed your name. Alison. Ah, hello, Alison. And hello... Carly. We come from quite a small charity in Reading. The main thing we do is offer counselling to young people, so we generally support young people's mental health. Well, what do you think about the, the whole idea for a community wealth fund? We were taken aback, actually, because we were just stood there listening to somebody articulate exactly what we would want to hear. We see young people who have really very serious problems, um, childhood sexual exploitation, rape, domestic violence, communities that have been devastated by austerity really feel hopeless, forgotten, and that in terms of mental health, the really damaging thing is being ignored. And for your mental health, that is really, really devastating. And we're like, what can we do to help? Because we're just tiny, small people, you know. Actually, Jess, I can just see Jess. I know you're just finishing off a crisp 
but how can small organisations get involved? The simple way to get involved is to add your name to the alliance calling for a community wealth fund. And the, uh, the idea is to get organisations, small and large community groups, private organisations, those involved in delivering public services, as broad a coalition as possible to support this idea. We will sign up immediately. We'd love our voice to be heard. This is great. It's almost like this was a case study that we planned, but genuinely we didn't, did we, guys? Carly, I'm going to cast you as a millennial, right? You, you look, it's very rude to ask a lady her age, but your generation has got a lot to be very annoyed about in terms of austerity and lack of resources. To your ears, how does this sound? Um, it sounds brilliant. We've got a huge basement in our building that we can't do anything with, purely for the fact that we can't afford it. Um, but it would be, make the most amazing community hub both that we could host some training in and some young ambassadors could host some workshops in, but also that other organisations and groups could use as a place just to be, a meeting place for people that don't have anywhere else to meet. We just don't have the resource to make it what it could be. Until now, maybe. Right, lovely to talk to you both. Thank you very much. Lovely to talk to you. Hello, Hazel. How are you? Very well. How are you, James? I'm very well. You'll remember Hazel from podcast number seven, six. You tell me. Um, I think I'm going to say six, but without checking. Can I just get your thoughts on that speech? Well, I'm just learning, actually, about the kind of voluntary organisations that are stepping in to fill in the gaps in public services in many areas. I was really interested to hear that the next stage is going to business. Any thoughts on that? Well, I know lots of businesses already invest in kind of social enterprises and ideas to keep um, wealth within communities or to help disadvantaged people. So I think there's probably a good precedent there if they do. Of course, the goal should always be sustainability and creating new systems for generating wealth in these local areas in whatever way, whether helping communities acquire buildings or helping create self-sustaining enterprises that can then pull other enterprises up or help them to grow in local areas so yeah i think that's the big question to keep things moving beyond the grant term and then the work probably on the part of foundations and organizations should be to help these communities create the infrastructure thank you it's all great <laughs> see you soon thank you margaret hello from local trust how are you i'm very well thank you james and uh, you're the person who's getting everybody to put their names on the list, is that right? Yeah, well effectively I have been acting as the secretary to the Alliance, so that's correct. So why do you think this has got off the ground so quickly? Why are people signing up? I think people are very excited by the idea of a really significant national endowment um, to support some of the poorest communities. And I think another thing that really captures the imagination is the idea that we might get the private sector to match the contribution that could come from dormant assets. What, business is going to give them the same money again? Well, that's our aspiration, yes. I guess we think that there's a lot of discussion at the moment, you know, particularly in the wake of the Brexit vote, about left-behind areas across the country. And I think there's lots of concern that that was as much a vote against London and the city as it was against Europe. And so I think there's a bit of a desire amongst big corporates to actually give something back and make a difference. That is radical. Well, I think the proposal is very radical because in terms of how the money is spent, we've set out some principles. And what we're saying, what's been agreed, is that it should be long-term funding 
for communities, that it should be communities making the decisions about how it's spent with appropriate support. And I think that's a really exciting model of investment. Who should I talk to about those kind of big investments? Phil Miles from Clarion Housing Group. I'm sure he'd be delighted to speak to you. I'm Phil from uh, Clarion Housing Group. So as a housing association, we're often involved in short-term, externally funded programmes and the idea of an endowment that's there for the long term, I thought, was spot on. A good example, we run a community development trust that is endowed with several assets that generate an income and that will be there for in perpetuity and will you know have an income for the local community but not everywhere has an asset that they can use so somewhere along the line we'll need monetary assets I, I suspect. Good stuff thank you very much. It's Nick isn't it? It is yes Nick Temple from Social Investment Business. Uh, we do long-term social investment into charities and social enterprises and that's why we're really interested in what's being talked about tonight the community wealth fund and it was great to hear matt and stuart really lay out their vision of not only what it is right now and the importance of it but also what the next practical steps might be to help make it happen what do you think of the private sector getting involved in something like this what can they add and what might they take away I think it's important to have the private sector on board. In some of the communities we're talking about, in some of the towns and coastal areas, actually there's often a big private sector player or various kind of smaller private sector players who are as important to that community as any charity or any social enterprise or the local authority. And if you don't have them on board in terms of regeneration and really thinking through the, what happens to that community, you're missing a trick and you're potentially missing resource in every sense of people, of money, of thinking. So I do think it's crucial that they they come on board and and you know we think through actually how we engage them and what the offer is to the to that sector as well. Nice one, Nick. Enjoyed your comments. Thanks. I'm media trained. <laughs> Hello, Dan. And as the event winds down, tell me who are the most interesting people you've spoken to, if that's not a loaded question. Ooh, that is quite a tricky question. I don't know. It's good to see some people I know. It's good to have a mix of people like Stuart, who are effectively leaders and voices for the whole of civil society in the UK, but also people like Mark, who work very locally in very small, fragile organisations, aren't necessarily spending much of their time coming to kind of drinks receptions in London and to have that sort of mix of um, people with different perspectives on the world. Big turnout as well. Uh, Matt wasn't joking when he said it's been you know, standing room only. Do you think there's a lot of buy-in to this idea? Yes, amongst people that know about it. Third sector, civil society, voluntary community sector, social sector. We've proposed an idea that a lot of people in that world can get behind, which is about getting money to areas that need it most and working with local groups that a well placed to support people and, and, and give them opportunity. It's still a long way before we've convinced any politicians, the public at large, the media, private sector, wider public sector, that this is an, an idea that's given and that the money will flow towards. But um, yeah, I, I'm encouraged that there's an idea here that we can all believe in um, and that truly, I think, can make a difference to people's lives. You know, give them a better future, and I, you know, that's really great to be part of that. Thank you, Dan. That's an excellent point to end on. Thank you. There we go, and thanks again to the Golbenkian Foundation for hosting a night that involved a lot of enthusiasm and thought-provoking conversation. If your organisation would like to get behind the proposal, you can sign up online at bitly.com forward slash community wealth fund with capitals on the C, W and the F. Thanks very much for listening. Bye bye.